Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. I mean, that was some Academy Award level, like, I mean, kind of acting right there, folks. We had blood all over the stage. I mean, it was a mess. Um, <laughs> this is gross. Uh, today we conclude our sermon series looking at the Good Samaritan. We've been focusing uh, this month on looking at 2020. We've asked for people to make financial commitments of what they think they can give to our ministry, our general ministry budget, and our mission budget in 2020 next year. This allows us to do the ministry that Christ calls us to. This week we celebrated 180 years that we've been in Roswell. And it's amazing the ministry that has happened because of the life and ministry of this congregation. And we need to carry that, that forward, that great legacy, carry it on uh, to impact people for Christ. So I invite you to, um, to make those commitments. There's pledge cards on your seats. You can go to the website. Uh, there's all sorts of ways you can do that. But we really uh, look forward to it. We're about a halfway to our goal. We've got to raise about a little over $3 million in pledges uh, to kind of meet all our ministry needs next year. But let us, uh, let us pray. Gracious and loving God. <coughs> We thank you for bringing each of us here today, and we ask that in the next few moments, you might be our teacher. We've read this story so many times now that we might miss some of the details. And so I ask God that in the next few moments, we might hear your voice speak, that your spirit might speak to our hearts in a way that only you can. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. About a month ago, I had one of the more interesting conversations I've had in a long, long while. There's a, a, a professor at the University of Virginia, his name's Charles Marsh, and I'm a huge fan of his. He just came out with a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's writes a lot about um, the way that theology impacts life. He runs a center called the Center for Lived Theology. And he's interested not just about the intellectual demands or the intellectual concepts of religion and theology, but how it's lived out in our lives. So happens that his dad was a Baptist minister in Mississippi and retired in Atlanta. And somebody who comes to my Bible study on Tuesday mornings uh, knows him and invited me out to lunch. And so I'm with this, you know, he's probably in his 80s now, and I'm, I'm sitting there with, with him at lunch and talking to him. And I got really interested about one book that his son had written called God's Long Summer, Stories of Faith and Civil Rights. He won, it's an award-winning book, and it tells the story of about five figures in what's called God's Long Summer in 1964 in Mississippi. And these, all five of these figures call themselves Christians, okay? But the way they live their faith out is very different. So, for instance, one of the figures is Sam Bowers, Sam Bowers. And he was the imperial wizard of the white knights of the Ku Klux Klan there in Mississippi. It was interesting, um, you know, he was eventually convicted of several murders um, of civil rights workers and African-American folks. And he, would ne he refused to be interviewed. He refused to be interviewed until Charles asked if he could interview him. He said because they were from the same town in Mississippi, he would agree to sit down to an interview. So I was asking Charles' dad, I said, what did Charles learn by interviewing Sam Bowers? What was, what was most surprising? He said the most surprising thing that Charles learned 
says, and remember, Charles studies religious people for a living. He said, Sam Bowers, the imperial wizard, the KKK, knew the Bible better than anyone he had ever met before. Sam Bowers, the imperial wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, knew the Bible better than anyone he'd ever met before. And that brought a real truth home to me. Learned an important lesson. You can know the right answers and know the right things and still be wrong. You can get straight A's in Sunday school and still flunk life. See, this lawyer approaches Jesus and he knows the right answers. Remember their conversation. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He asks a good intellectual theological question. What must I do to flourish, to have abundant life? What does God want from me? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds with his own question. He says, what is written in the law? What do you read there? Jesus is saying, you're a smart guy. You're a lawyer. You know the law. What do you read in there? And the lawyer responds. He summarizes the law of Moses with the two great commandments. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer answers with the standard theological right answer, summarizing the law. This is what God requires. And so Jesus says to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Jesus says, you've got the right answer. But he also knows that it's more than just having the right intellectual answer. Because if it was just about having the right answer, the conversation's over. But Jesus tells a story, a parable, that this, this must be lived out. It's not just for between your ears, but it, the Christian life is lived out. You've given the right answer, but don't flunk life. You can know all the Bible verses in the world and still be like Sam Bowers. So how can, how can we live the Christian life? Well, notice how the, the Samaritan responds to human need. See, the priest and the Levite pass by on the other side and are on their way. They've got places to go. But the Samaritan, the Samaritan sees the man in the ditch. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He had this emotional gut reaction of compassion. He felt pity, and he went to meet need. See, the priest and the Levite ran from need, and the Samaritan ran to it. When you see human need, do you run from it or to it? It's a good question. We live in a culture that is increasingly becoming more separated from one another. We don't talk to our neighbors as we used to. People are really like functional isolationists. We don't inhabit the same communities that we used to. We don't interact in the same way. We're isolationists. We're running away from each other. You can read about this um, in Robert Putman's book, uh, Bowling Alone. There's also another book, um, Alienated America. There's also another one called Coming Apart. Or you can read Rap Genius. Does anybody here know what Rap Genius is? Oh, man, I'm... I'm 0 for 3. So Rap Genius is 
uh, this website you can go to, and they basically analyze rap lyrics, okay? And they annotate um, the lyrics. And so I was thinking about our, our conversation today, and, and there's probably the most famous hip-hop group to come out of Atlanta is Outkast with Big Boy and Andre 3000. And probably their most famous song is Hey Ya. Andre 3000 performs it. And there's this line in the song where Andre 3000 says, Lend me some sugar, I am your neighbor. You know the line. Lend me some sugar, I am your neighbor. And so I went and I thought I did a little investigation. I went to Rap Genius. And you're not going to believe what it says about this line. To explain the lyric, it says this. Andre 3000 references the practice, rarely done anymore, of asking your neighbor for a cup of sugar. It would occur when someone was cooking or baking food and they were out of sugar. But it also extends to other ingredients such as salt. This, this stopped being a concept because most people have become isolationists regarding talking to those that live in their neighborhood. Another reason is technology has allowed supermarkets to flourish, and thus people only need to drive there to get all their goods. There is also a slight double entendre because sugar is slang for kisses or loving. <laughs> Lend me some sugar, I am your neighbor. And what Rap Genius is telling us is that we are becoming functional isolationists. We are like that priest and the Levite, crossing to the other side of the road, hurrying along on our way. And Jesus seems to be saying, the good Samaritan saw the man in need and didn't run from but ran to. At RPC, we are a place that is trying to run to human need the people in our community, the people that make up this congregation. When you're in need, we want to be there for you and be there for one another. Not be functional isolationists, but to serve one another here at church and in our community. About six months ago, we hired a consultant with this organization called Focused Community Strategies. It's based in South Atlanta. What it does is it works with nonprofits trying to help them do healthy Christian ministry. And they came in and they looked at our neighborhood action ministry. If you don't know about neighborhood action ministry, it's run by Dr. Clara Herrera. And it goes to some of the places that are in the shadows in our North Metro Atlanta community. It tries to serve. And so we run mentoring programs, tutoring, a chess club, dance lessons. I mean, all sorts of stuff. If you don't subscribe to the weekly newsletter that Dr. Clara sends out, I would highly recommend it. So you can see the difference that she and her volunteers are making but where they go are into the shadows. And when Sean did this consultation with us, he had two recommendations. The first has to do with what he called proximity. Proximity. And what he's saying is that we have to have our eyes open to see the need in our community. To not cross to the other side and run away, but to run to. We need to have proximity. And the other the other recommendation, he says, we need to be clear about our goals, about what we're trying to accomplish. And so as the mission team has kind of laid out what our goals are, they really focus in on three areas. Number one is affordable housing. We all know how tough it is for, to provide affordable housing. How do we provide a decent, affordable place for people to live? Second, education. It's the single 
most important indicator of how somebody can get out of poverty, how somebody can flourish in their lives to become educated. How can we partner and, and educate our young people? And the third area is what we call emergency relief. You know, that man who's in the ditch, he didn't need affordable housing. He didn't need an education. He needed help right now. And there are people in our community that we need to have our eyes open to to help them right now in an emergency. We need to be there. And so we want to provide affordable housing for people that need it. Education through, uh, let's say, the Lane Alderman Scholarship. We want to partner with those in our community. Like what we did with Fall Fest. We had a thousand hot dogs and, and all the games that we played. Welcoming our neighbors in. Ministering. We had the Groveway to Broadway, dance performance in this space. We had a couple, 200, 250 of our neighbors come and be together and not sit in the shadows, but, but love our neighbors as ourselves. Notice what the Samaritan does in verse 34. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. I call this principle the principle of spiritual specialization. Here's what I mean. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And so what is the something you are called to do? What is the something I'm called to do? Notice what the text reads. Then the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Notice the good Samaritan had places to be. <laughs> He had a schedule. People were waiting for him. I gotta go. I can't, I can't do everything here. But here's some money so you can minister to him in my place. And I'm gonna go off. We're gonna specialize. You're gonna serve. And I'm gonna serve in different ways. And I'm gonna provide resources for you to do the ministry that I cannot do. And that's the same thing we do here. Not everyone can preach sermons. Not everyone can play the guitar. Not everyone can... Lead neighborhood action. Not everybody can serve as a mentor. We can't do everything, so everybody's got to come together to do something. And when we can't be here, we give some of our resources to provide to, for ministry that we can't be present for all the time. And so this means, as we specialize, whether you're an engineer or a teacher, an accountant, your stay-at-home mom or dad, you give part of your earnings to the church because you can't be here all the time. None of us can. But then we all contribute our resources to help serve. This is spiritual specialization. Notice here that as Jesus talks to him and he finishes with the parable, he asks the young lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The young lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus says something interesting. He says, go and do likewise. In the church dogmatics, when probably the greatest theologian of the 20th century, Karl Barth, comes to this passage and he's analyzing the Good Samaritan, he asks the question, how do you love your neighbor? And he says, before you can ever love your neighbor, you have to recognize who the Good Samaritan really is. And the Good Samaritan is none other than Jesus Christ. That the Good Samaritan has found us in the ditch, has crossed to the other side, come to us in our time of need to minister to us. The grace and love of God expressed 
in Christ's ministry 2,000 years ago and now present to us by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the Good Samaritan. And only once we, only once we experience that grace, that mercy, that compassion that he feels towards us, we are filled up and then we can go and do likewise. And that's what we're called to do, to go and do likewise. As Christ has served, as Christ got down in the ditch and bandaged wounds, healed the sick, comforted the lonely, now go and do likewise. And that's what the ministry of Roswell Presbyterian Church is about. Can't do everything, but we can do something. So let us go and do likewise. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have met us in Jesus Christ, that you are the Good Samaritan. You bandaged our wounds, comfort us in our loneliness. You've ran to us and not from us. We pray, God, that this church might be a place that that kind of ministry happens, that we go to those who are in need, and we go and do likewise as you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.